Welcome to the Elm City Church Podcast. As a community of people who are trying to practice the way of Jesus together, we hope that these messages inspire and equip you for the journey of faith in everyday life. Uh, I have a question. Does any of you guys have any pet pet peeves, pet peeves that just drive them crazy? I do too. Thank you for asking. I'm so glad that you asked me. Um, One of mine is people who drive in the left lane going up Chesterfield Hill that are not going very fast. Oh my goodness. And they're mostly always out of state plates. The one, the New Hampshire plates, you have no, no excuse. Um, Another one, when I hear people say frustrated instead of frustrated, um, Sean, there's an R in that word. (laughs) It's just so frustrating when I hear that. Um, here's another big one. When someone's going through something difficult and I hear somebody say or post on Facebook that they're going to send them thoughts and good vibes. Oh, dear Lord, when I hear that, I'm like, that? You might as well say you're going to send them unicorns and fairies. Like, what does that even mean? And I know it's like well-intentioned, and so if, you're, if you said that out there, I'm not picking on you much. Um, <laughs> But I know it's well-intentioned, but whenever I see that, I think, man, I am so grateful for the privilege of prayer. You know, even if thoughts and prayers could somehow, thoughts and uh, good vibes, you could actually send those things, whatever that may be, you know, how much better is the fact that we are invited to go before the God of the universe who spoke the world into existence when it was no difficulty for him at all to do, and we get to go before him and take our requests to him. I'm like, I'll take prayer over thoughts and good vibes all day. Uh, we are in our fifth week going through the Lord's Prayer. We've been talking about prayer here, and what we've been doing is taking a line from the Lord's Prayer and then expanding it. And because the Lord's Prayer is not necessarily Jesus teaching us what to pray, but it's him teaching us how to pray. And I know for me, one of the things that's really continued to strike me as I've been studying and as I've been preaching from this passage is Jesus saying, pray then like this. Pray then like this. I don't know why, but that has just been sticking with me. Because we all know that prayer is important. Probably most of us struggle with, with prayer, wondering, am I doing it right? What, 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 what do I say? What do I do? And then we get God in the flesh, said, hey, pray then like this. What a gift. And as we unpack it word by word, line by line, it truly is, in the words of Daryl Johnson, who wrote a book I love on it, said, 57 words that change the world. Like there are just layers upon layers to the genius of Jesus and how, he, and how he's put this prayer together. So what we're gonna do, as we've been doing just about every week, is we're going to read Matthew 6, 9 through 13 together. You know, I'll start with pray then like this, and then we'll read what's been traditionally called the Lord's Prayer um, as, as, as a group. So, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And I don't know if I brought it up, um, but maybe as you're reading this, it feels like an unfinished symphony because like, where is the ending? For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Um, 
so that's in the King James Version. And the reason why it's not in the ESV and some of the more, more modern translations is it just doesn't show up in the earliest manuscripts. So they think that's probably something that the early church prayed and got added into the manuscript that the King James was copied off of, but is not in the original. Um, still a perfectly good thing to pray, but that's why it might, for some of you, feel like this cliffhanger. It's like, but I want to say it because that's how I learned it. <laughs> totally okay to say it. It probably just isn't origin, original to Jesus in Matthew. Um, so have you ever seen those signs with you know, funny grammar or punctuation mistakes? Oh man, I'm such a sucker for those on Facebook or Instagram when they kind of pop up and you want to kind of scroll through them. Because it's amazing how one small little detail can completely change the meaning of something. Um, I got one here. Um, poor Pastor Thomas. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you guys picked up on that. That it kind of just flows right into um, it's going to be an interesting sausage supper. Um, how, how about this next one? Uh, that's very pixelated. Uh, don't let your worries. That's tr- unfortunately some places that's truer than it should be. And uh, I love I love this one here. It's not on a church one, but um, today, today is the day we remember all those that we've lost to continental breakfast prep. Um, that waffle iron, look out! <laughs> but. It's amazing, just one small, you know, either misplaced punctuation mark or, or, or piece of grammar can totally change the meaning of what you're looking at. And, uh, and as I was thinking about that, I really feel like the same is true about the Lord's Prayer, but specifically the order of the Lord's Prayer. When we look at how Jesus teaches us to pray in, in, in the order that he does, it might seem like only a small difference uh, but I think it actually is a world of difference in the meaning of what Jesus invites us into. Because look at the order of this prayer. It starts off with, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth it is in heaven. And it says, Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So the pattern goes, Your, 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 before us, our, us. You know, why do you think that is? Think about that. Why do you think Jesus teaches us to pray to to the Father, your, 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 before we go us, basically us, us, us. Hallowed be your name. Come your kingdom. Be done your will. Before praying for the very legitimate, provide us for what we need. Forgive us from what we have done and protect us from evil. I kind of joked a few, a few weeks ago that sometimes our prayers can just be summed up as, gimme, 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 thank you, thank you, thank you, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> Ends up what the structure of our prayers can look like. Um, and what we find here is that it's completely legit to ask God to provide for your needs. We're told to do that. We're invited into it. But this is a case where I feel like order matters. And you know, and a quick caveat, this is not a rule for prayer, as if you don't say it just like this, God's up there going, er, wrong, try again, come back when you get the right formula. No, that's, that's, that's not what's happening here, so don't look at this as a rule, um, but Jesus is providing us a pattern for how to pray, and I do think it's one that if you lean into it, can change your prayer life. I know for me personally, one of the biggest things that has changed about my prayer life through this series is that I'm intentionally praying for things that often get put on the back burner of my prayer life. I'm intentionally bringing to the forefront things that often end up on the back burner. 
The Lord's Prayer reminds me to who I'm praying to. You know, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your name be holy and lifted up and may people come to know and experience that you are the God who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. May people come to know and experience that. And Lord, make it so. Make your kingdom come in the here and now. Bring the future into the present so that we can see the things happen that were happening when you were walking around the earth. And Lord, your will, make it happen. The things that bring you pleasure and joy because we know it is your will that people come to, come to know you. Lord, make that happen. Lord, you, you, you tell us it is, your, it is your will, it is your good desire for us to be sanctified. Lord, do that in me. Lord, it is your will that I am grateful in all things. Lord, your will be done in my life. Make me forever grateful. Your will be done. And then give me today my daily bread. And this has really helped me orient my prayer life around you know, God's concerns before just jumping right into my own. And so I encourage you, like, do that. Do, do an experiment in your prayer this week. Pray the Lord's Prayer like, as, as kind of a, as a format of prayer and focus on God's kind of desires first and just see what happens by the time you get to starting to pray for yourself, how God is already working on changing your heart. Because you know, Jesus knows the human heart better than anyone else. Um, this, is a, this is a mirror. You know, this is how I get my hair did in the morning and make sure nothing's out of place. It's not, it's not mine, just for those of you who are wondering. Um, but often, this is what happens. So our pain and our issues often cause us to focus on ourself, and our prayer lives are almost like this mirror. And so when I am focusing, this is way too close, when I am focusing on myself like this, I can't see any of you. The only person I can see is me. Even if I wanted to, I can't see you. And that's what can happen in prayer if we just go first to what we need. But what the Lord's Prayer frees us from and gives the ability to is to first, don't, don't focus on ourselves, but look up and look around. It totally changes the, what you pray for. The, your, your, your change, God starts to change your heart. And then when you come to pray, you know, give me what I need. I think it helps you orient yourself around what you really need as opposed to maybe just what you want or desire. Ah, this, is, this is such a gift. So give us this day our daily bread. Bread. In the ancient Near East world of Jesus, bread was a staple of survival and a symbol of your most basic need. So without bread or water, you can't survive. And with you know, very little preservatives and nothing really like our modern day grocery store, it was, a, it was a much more common question for people in everyday life of where am I going to get my bread and my food for today? Bread. You know, this gets at our most basic need. But as I was, I was studying and thinking, it does seem like we've, we've, we've done a drastic jump in this prayer. We go from, um, you know, God, your kingdom come. Bring your future reality into the here and now. Your will be done. Turn the whole world order upside down. And also, could I please have a piece of multigrain? <laughs> like, doesn't it seem like you're going from whoosh, to, here's what I love about that. That God cares about the little details of your life. Jesus cares about the little details, about our daily needs. And, and as, we, as we walk through the first three, three things, like, you know, 
hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. I mean, those, those all have realities that take place in the here and now. When we think of these spiritual realities, what we're still praying for is God to do things here. Um, so it's not a jump from the heavenly to, to the earthly. But we do go from, again, these big things that almost seem like, how do you put them into categories to give us this day our daily bread? Please provide for me what I need. You know, I, I always think, uh, I think my dad first pointed this out to me when I, when I was younger, and it's always stuck with me. You know, that God is both, in a sense, infinitely big and infinitely small. Almost like the universe. Like we haven't found the end of it yet. Or maybe some people say we have. So don't, don't come up and correct me after because maybe, you, you know, we'll just, we'll just pretend we haven't. we haven't. But we haven't found really the end. You can keep exploring this way. But it's almost like we can keep going the other way. And when we find the smallest thing, there's something smaller and smaller and smaller. And how God is concerned with the really big things. But there's also nothing too small that he also doesn't care about. He says, you know, that even the hairs of our head are numbered. And so if you're in here wondering, does God care? Does God care about the little things that happen to me? Is he, you know, is he too busy to deal with like, things that might seem like not, that, not as important as, your kingdom come, your will be done? Yes, because Jesus teaches us to pray. Please give us this day our daily bread. Uh, Daryl Johnson, again, in that book, I keep referencing 57 words that change the world. He breaks this phrase down into two questions that I found really helpful and how we think about it. The first is, what does it mean to pray, give us our daily bread? And the second question is, okay, then what are the lifestyle implications of it? So I want to use that framework as we kind of finish out talking, because it really helped orient my mind. What are we praying for when we ask for, give us this day, our daily bread? Well, obviously, one would be physical food. Physical uh, food, shelter, safety, warmth, you know, all our basic needs. We can provide, we can pray that God will provide for our daily physical needs. This means we can also pray for the normal everyday means that God uses in providing it. So when we're praying for give us this day our daily bread, we're not praying that you know, God magically make loaves of bread fall from the sky and land on my doorstep. No, we are praying for God to use the normal everyday means that he does to provide for us, which means when you drive by a farm, totally legit to pray for the crops and the farmers. You know, when, you, when you see a milk truck or an 18-wheeler full of grain, pray for the driver. I never realized how our daily bread is even tied into the supply chain until the last year and a half. So it never even crossed my mind how you know grain from uh, South America gets ends up you know in my house processes bread, and now you see how how complicated that all is. And it wasn't until I mean maybe it was a month and a half into COVID for the first time ever in my life I had the thought. You know, maybe we should have more than five days worth of food sitting around the house, like just in case, either for me or friends, like we can't get access to daily food. I've never had that thought before, but this was a very common thought for the people in Jesus's day. You know, to pray, give us our daily bread, you know, also deals with, you know, the basic necessities of housing. You know, New Hampshire and especially Cheshire County, there's a, a there's an affordable housing crisis, so to pray, give us this daily bread is also to pray that, you know, pray for those that are in charge of more housing opportunities. Pray that they will open up for people, that people can have their needs met. You know, jobs are needed for people to earn the money to buy bread. So it's praying for that God will provide jobs and opportunities so people could work to buy their daily bread. 
As you dig into it, give us this day our daily bread. It might be the most comprehensive line of all this, that how much can fall under what we are praying for. But our most basic needs are more than just physical. So we need, we need bread, but we also need more than bread. So to pray, give us this daily bread is also to ask God to provide us the resources we need to live the kingdom life. You know, because we need food, but you know what we also need? Wisdom, courage, patience. I mean, try to go through life without those three things. Some of you are going through life without those three things, and it's really, it makes life really hard. <laughs> pray that God would give you wisdom, patience, courage. You know, think, of, you know, think of the difference that's going to make, because God, God's goal for us isn't just to you know, make it. It's to live as fully engaged kingdom participants. You know, God, give me what I need to be a good student, a good athlete, a good husband, a good wife, a good parent, a good employee. Give me what I need to be a faithful kingdom citizen and to pray, give us our daily bread. It's also to pray, give us what we need to live the kingdom life. And I can't help but think that to pray, give us this daily bread is also a prayer for us to experience Jesus daily in a greater way. Because this is what Jesus said about himself. He said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Father, give us more of Jesus. Give us a deeper experience of him. You know, think about the words and the images that are used in scripture to talk about God. David in Psalm 63 says, I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. He's using appetite imagery. He's saying, God, I am hungry for more of you because only you can truly satisfy the hunger that is deep within me. Do you hunger for more of Jesus in your life? Is that something you think about? Do you hunger and desire a deeper experience of Jesus in your life? You know, ask yourself, you know, what do, you, what, you know, what do I want to get out of life? You know, it's, it's uh, candy corn time of year. Good old thing. Do we, have any, do we have any candy corn fans? How about people just think it's the grossest thing ever and it just belongs in the garbage? <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's about 50-50. It, it, it's amazing how, um, how polarizing candy corn can be. Um, I am, like a lot of things, you know, I'm not a huge fan of candy corn, but if it's near me, I find myself, I'll eat a whole bowl of it, and I just can't stop. I'm just like, oh, this is terrible. Oh, man. Oh, gosh. Why do I keep eating this stuff? Candy corn, it just kind of sucks you in. But the thing that's brutal about candy corn and other stuff is, you know, if you're hungry, you can go and you can fill up, in a sense, on this. It is going to dull your appetite temporarily, and it's going to leave you feeling completely unfulfilled. Uh, and oftentimes, you're going to miss out on filling yourself up with something that's worth eating. For you candy corn fans out there, worth eating and, you know, eat it in moderation. Uh, and I, I would always think about this, you know, when I think of what Jesus wants for us, candy corn always comes to mind. I think often in life, we do a similar version of this. Like, we don't desire Jesus we don't desire the things of Jesus because often we're just filling our lives with the equivalent of candy corn. Things that temporarily kind of dull our hunger but, but leave us completely unsatisfied and leave us from the things that Jesus truly wants for us. Uh, again, oftentimes these aren't bad things that we go to to fill that hole or fill that void or that hunger, that appetite we have. 
But if Jesus says, I am the bread of life, anyone who comes to me will never be thirsty. They'll never be hungry. Everyone who drinks from me will never be thirsty. He's talking about the type of fulfillment that only he can offer. And instead, we just, we, again, we try to dull our hunger with stuff like this, with achievement, with accumulation, with getting ahead, with living vicariously through our children, with what, what other people think about us, whatever, how many likes we get online, with our athletic achievements, whatever. None of these things are necessarily bad things. But if we go to them to give us our deepest sense of meaning, we're gonna be, it might dull that hunger for God for a little bit, but it's gonna leave us unsatisfied and then eventually we're gonna realize how much we miss out on. Jesus said, whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I was reading this morning in, in, in 1 John and I was struck with the last line of it. John writing to the church says this, dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. That was the last, he almost he ends his letter on a warning note, oh, encouragement and a warning. He says, dear children, keep yourselves away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. Because again, if we fill it with stuff that's gonna leave us unsatisfied, we're gonna miss out on what God has for us. So to pray, Father, give us this day our daily bread, give us what we need for our basic needs, is both give us like for the physical, the here and now, Lord, but also give me the resources I need to live the kingdom life. And Lord, give me the ability to rely on you every day. So that's what it means to pray. Give us a stay our daily bread. And here are three quick implications of it in our life. The first is, this is life altering because it calls us to solidarity with our fellow believers. You know, it says, give us our day, this day our daily bread, not my. Us, not my. And if God normally uses the everyday means to accomplish these prayers, that means that those of us who at times have more have a responsibility to our brothers and sisters who have less to help them. We can be the answer to this when we pray, give us this day our daily bread. Sometimes I feel like God's gonna be tapping some of us on the shoulder and be like, yes, and I've given you a lot of daily bread. I've given you like five days of bread. Why don't you, why don't you help out? You see this in the early church. You know, when, when one church was struggling because a famine hit, other churches took who, had, who at the time had excess or some of them didn't really even have access, they just gave sacrificially to help out this church that was in need. And the word used was that it was this, the word grace. God's grace was growing among them, was evidence in them with, with their way that they give. You know, as a church, we've actually gotten to do this the last two years. It's been really cool. You know, we're a young church, and this is, we're just finishing up our third year for the most part, and each of the last two years, we have finished with a little bit of a financial excess with our general giving. And we have got to be the answer to two other churches' prayers that we, uh, that they were struggling and we were able to give them both a sizable financial gift at the end of the year to help them um, basically provide for their daily needs. And it was so cool talking to the pastors and the leadership of both churches, hearing behind the scenes that they had been praying faithfully, God, I know you're gonna answer. I don't know how, but I know you're going to. And that God putting it on our hearts to give that we got to be the answer to these other churches' prayers. And it was so cool to be a part of, of that. The second thing is that this prayer moves us towards radical dependency. Daily bread, and this image comes out of the Exodus, where, where God was training the Israelite people with manna, that he'd only give them enough food for that day. 
You were not allowed to gather for three days or five days, except for on the Sabbath, you can gather for two. But every day for 40 years, God was training them, only gather what you need for today because I'm going to provide for you tomorrow. And then tomorrow, I'm going to provide for you the next day and the next day. And that doesn't mean we can't be wise and kind of think for the future. I think, I think we should, but it's a very good reminder that we are called to live life one day at a time. We're called to live the kingdom life one day at a time because we don't, because tomorrow's not promised. You, know, you can spend your entire life preparing for what's next and miss out on the now. You, know, you can make your whole life be about, okay, I'm in high school, so I gotta go through high school so I can get into the college I want, and then I gotta get really good grades in college so I can get the internship I want, and then get the job I want, and you, you game play it out. You're basically spending your whole life so you can maybe retire two years early and, and have your house paid off so you can go on that great vacation. I mean, I know that's reducing it way, way too much, but often you can just keep living for that potential imaginary future when God is calling us to daily dependence on him in the here and now because we live our lives one day at a time. And finally, it calls us to gratitude. If you are praying you know, in the morning, give me what I need for the following day. If you're praying in at night, Lord, give me what I need for the next day. If you're doing that regularly, you know what that gets you in the habit of? often thanking God for how he has provided. Lord, thank you for providing for me yesterday. Please provide for me today. Thank you for how you provided for me yesterday. Please provide for me today. That regular rhythm will make you more, uh, more, more gracious and more thankful for what you have. Because we have less control over our lives and a lot less certainty than we think. You know, Dallas Willard, one of my favorite writers, he has a saying that he reminds us that having possessions in our hands today is no promise that we're gonna have them in our hands tomorrow. And this is what he says. Today I have God and he has the provisions. Tomorrow it'll be the same. I will have God and he will have the provisions. So I simply ask God today for what I need for today. What a simple way of living in faith. Our father who is in heaven, give us the bread we need for today Give us what we need to live this day for your glory that we might be different and it might be different for what we want. But please give us what we need. So I'm gonna have the, the worship team come up. And before we close, I want to give everyone just a moment as, as, as the kind of the team's coming up to pray that themselves. As, as, as you come in here this morning, we all come in here at, at you know, different things on our, on our hearts, different distractions. Some of you might have come in this morning excited to be here. Some of you might have been dragged here. Some of you might have just like, this is just what I do and didn't even think about it. You're kind of on autopilot. But you're here because God wants you here. You are here this morning because God has something he wants to say to you. You are here because God loves you. That is why you are here this morning. We get this opportunity to, to praise the God of the universe, to pray to the God of the universe. So I want to give you a minute before, before I kind of lead us in a, in a closing prayer to just think, you know, Lord, what do I need for today? We hope this message has been impactful. For more information about how you can connect with Elm City Church, visit elmcitychurch.com or follow us on social media. We'd love to help you take some next steps.